All right, this is when I start the message by saying, I'm not Clayton King. And I know if that was the sole reason you came, you can get up and leave right now. I don't blame you. I thought about leaving too. No, listen, last Sunday, Clayton had emergency surgery, and he's going to share a little bit more with us today about that, but uh, uh, he could not physically travel this week, and so uh, unfortunate for us, but if you'll let me, I'm going to kind of team teach with Clayton today. I'm going to take a part. He's going to take a part. We got technology on our side, so we're going to share in this time together. And as we kind of lean in together, have y'all not taken offering yet? Y'all are looking back at Come forward, come on. It's not church if you don't pass the bowls, come on. Hey, thank you for your faithfulness. There's a reason we're uh, two locations, one church, is because of your generosity. As you give, you're giving to Jesus first, and we celebrate that giving. And as a church, we wanna be good stewards of all that God's blessed us with. And so thank you for your faithful giving over time because it is truly making a difference. Not just for you that are sitting here, but for the people that we're gonna reach outside these walls. And so thank you for that little mini message there and y'all's absenteeism not coming forward. Well, listen, Clayton and I are gonna team teach together. And today, as we continue our What If series, the title of today's message is, is this, what if your life could be different? What if your life could be different? And maybe the question behind that is, are you satisfied right now with life? Are you fulfilled right now? Or is there something missing? You know, some of you today, either campus, even online, some of you today might be experiencing a loss, or maybe you're in the middle of a mistake, or maybe you faced a setback, or maybe you did lose a loved one, or maybe you're in the middle of a breakup, or maybe you're in the middle of a breakdown. I say to you today, praise God, this is the Sunday that God brought you here, because I believe today God wants to say some things to us out of Romans chapter 8. And I ask you again, what if your life could be different? As you're turning to Romans chapter 8, uh, we're just kind of leaning in on this one chapter of Scripture, and we're listening in to God and what He's saying to us and preparing our hearts for Easter. You know, it might sound strange for some of you that might not be a follower of Jesus, but we believe every year as we retell this, this living message of Easter that we've got to prepare for it. We want to prepare our hearts and we want to prepare our church as we retell this powerful story of the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because we don't believe it's just an event that happened, we believe it's something that can happen in us and for us. You see, because of Easter, because of Easter, we believe life can be different. And today we want to share a little bit about that. Now, as I've been teaching through Romans 8, I've been drawing some pictures. So uh, I hope this doesn't dumb it down, but I hope it helps kind of awaken and maybe give some thought to, to what this story is all about. And so what Paul, this pastor Paul, as he's writing to this church in Rome, their struggle then is our struggle all these years removed. And he does something as he shares these words with those Christians then. And here it is. The picture of the man is humanity. It's man and woman. And there's this distance between us and God. 
And what Paul's trying to help them to see is that some of you are choosing religion to try to get to God. Come on. We put our Sunday best on. We show up. And we want to show God that he's important. And this religious action, this religion to try to get to God. And then others are trying to just be good enough, right? This idea of good works, this idea of our behavior, our action, earning God's love, earning God's favor for us. And many were trying to live a certain way to get God's attention. And then others were just saying, I'm just going to live like the world's living. I'm going to live for me. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, Hope it all works out for me in the end. And what Paul's trying to show them, it doesn't matter what you pick. If you pick religion or being good or the world, it all has the same reality. You'll all fall short and you'll never get to what you actually are desiring, a connection with God. And so in Romans 8, he's trying to say, what are you trusting in to save? What are you trusting in to to get you there? And will it actually get you there? And so in the tension of the story, I wanted you to see this because Paul wants us to understand some of the verses and scriptures that he's sharing. So let me give you one. Maybe you've heard of Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, for all of us have sinned, right? And we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 23 says this. It says this. It says, for the wages of sin is death. You see, the reality is this. When we choose and we put this all on ourselves, we're always going to be led to sin, and eventually we're going to be led to death. Now, the death is not just physical. It's also a spiritual death. And the reality is this is that in our choices apart from God, we find ourselves separated, separated from God. Is that spelled right? (laughs) Separated, right? And even in that, even in that sin and death and separation, the only relationship that we can really have is, is God being our judge. Because the wages of sin is death. But there's some good news here today. Come on, don't get discouraged today. In the second half of this verse, it talks about something more that God wants for us. And I love it because he puts it in the word of being a gift. But the gift of God is eternal life, right? But that eternal life is found in someone. It's found in Christ Jesus. This is such incredible news because you and I have a way to get to the other side, but it's not through good works. It's not through religion. It's not through just living like the world's living. It's through a cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, lived a sinless life, but he died a sinner's death on the cross. Why? Because of sin. He had to pay the penalty that sin requires. And by paying that penalty, he has made a way for us to get to God. But it comes as a gift. Come on, is that not good? It comes as a gift. And God says, I'm going to give something to your life. Matter of fact, the good thing I'm going to give to your life is I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give you what you could never earn or never deserve. And I'm going to give you a second chance. And I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you forgiveness. And this forgiveness is something because it's going to lead you to life. It's going to lead you to a relationship that I desire to have with 
you. Come on, have you ever heard, come on, religion doesn't get you to Jesus, it's a relationship. Isn't that true? And the good news is this, come on, as simple as I can be today, is now I don't have to just have a relationship with God where he's my judge. Now I get to have a relationship with God where he is my savior. Come on, that is such powerful news. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what, believes, right, we receive Jesus and in that we get and gain eternal life. Is that that clear enough for us today as we lean in today? Listen, I love it because today there are people here today that call themselves Christians. And I love it because we invite, invite, invite. There's somebody here today. There's at least one person here today that says, I don't believe yet. I'm not a Christian. And I'm so grateful today that you're here because I believe Jesus can make a difference. Now, I want us to lean in with Clayton. Clayton's going to share with us a little bit about Romans. So turn with me again, Romans chapter 8, and let's just listen in to what Clayton's going to challenge us with today. What's up, everybody there at the Mount? This is Clayton King, and I am in Anderson, South Carolina right now. I had planned to be with all of you this weekend. I was even going to have my son Jojo come with me. He's 13. He's my youngest son, and we were excited about being back at the Mount, but last Sunday, I had to go to the hospital, uh, the emergency room actually, for emergency gallbladder surgery. So um, because of the surgery and the effects of the surgery and the uh, recovery that I thought would be a lot quicker than it has been, um, it's taking a little bit longer and I'm not bouncing back quite as fast as I thought I would. Uh, Todd and I decided that we would um, reschedule my trip to preach for you guys for a time sometime probably after this summer. So hopefully I get to see you guys late summer, early fall. Um, I am okay. It was an emergency surgery. My gallbladder had died a week ago, which explains the uh, intermittent pain I was having in my stomach and my back. Also found out while they were performing surgery to remove my gallbladder that I have had a hernia in my abdomen since I was born. Who knew? So they fixed the hernia. Uh, Now I'm gonna be able to really lift heavy weights. Actually, at this point in my life, I don't even wanna smell food again. I haven't had solid food or coffee in three and a half days uh, while I'm sitting right here, but I'm well hydrated. So um, anyway, you guys pray for me. Um, Thank God for modern medicine and thank God for medical professionals and doctors and caregivers and emergency room workers and nurses. Oh man, what would we do without them? I'm very, very thankful to be able to come to you guys today. And I wanted to uh, say thanks for allowing me to be a part of your What If series. You know, this series is leading into Easter and Easter is such a big time of the year for America, but it's really a big time of year for America because traditionally we trace it back through our rich religious history as a time that the church has always celebrated the the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so as we approach Easter, uh, I get the honor today to share with you guys a few moments from the book of Romans in your What If series um, in real connection to this spiritual idea of what it means to be adopted as daughters and sons into God's family. So I wanna read the scripture to you And if you have a Bible, or if you want to look up on the screens, well, actually, I guess I'm going to be on your screen. So let me read this to you from Romans chapter 8, 
and I'm going to be reading from verses 12 to 17. Now, my vision is still a little, a little bit blurry from the anesthesia. Also, they gave me uh, three uh, shots of morphine directly into my IV, and I think I'm still sort of feeling the effects of that. So, I might say or do anything on this video. Good luck. Actually, it'll be fun. We'll never forget it. In all seriousness, here's what uh, Paul writes about in Romans chapter 8. Uh, in connection to this spiritual principle of moving out of being slaves and servants to sin into being heirs in the family of God, heirs to an inheritance that's promised to us as daughters and sons. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, I'm going to pause right there. Paul draws a distinction between two opposites, flesh and spirit. Paul is not the first person to do this. Jesus did this in John chapter 3. When Nicodemus came to Jesus and asked him, if he was a prophet or who he really was, Jesus told Nicodemus that he had to be born again. And he explained to Nicodemus that the first time he was born by the flesh or by the water, but the second time the new birth happens through the spirit. Now, this is important because Paul echoes this same exact sentiment when he says to the church in Rome, if you live by the flesh, you will die because all flesh eventually dies. When the doctor, I should say the surgeon, um, came into the hospital room after I was taken out of surgery, he showed me pictures of my gallbladder that they removed. That was pretty awesome, to be honest with you. Disgusting to some people, but pretty awesome to me. And this is what the doctor said to me. He said, all of your blood levels are fine. All of your, um, every level all of your uh, trace elements, everything's perfect. Your liver, your kidneys, your pancreas, everything is literally textbook. But your gallbladder just died. And I asked him why, you know, what made it die? He goes, honestly, we don't know. We used to think it was certain foods, it was diet, but now we know that sometimes it's DNA and sometimes it's unpredictable. And here's what he said, your gallbladder died about a week ago. And then he asked me, when did you start feeling pain? I was like, I woke up one week ago today at midnight feeling pain in my back. My body was telling me that there was something inside of me that wasn't functioning properly. And here's the point. Flesh does not live forever. Spirit lives forever. So the body that you live in, the body that I live in, was not designed to die and stay dead. God originally designed Adam and Eve to live forever. But unless we are born again, in other words, unless we are born out of sin into life, our flesh will one day die. The Bible says that we're all going to die and we're all going to stand before God and face judgment. Unless our spirits are renewed and made new by the power of the gospel, by us believing that Jesus died on the cross in our place, took our punishment for the sins that we've committed, and then was raised from the dead as a promise to give us new life if we would repent of our sin and believe in Christ. 
unless we receive that gift of salvation, then eventually when our flesh dies physically, our bodies will then eventually spend forever in death. So we have to be born by the Spirit. The word in Greek for flesh is sarx, and the word spirit is, is pneuma. It's where we get our word uh, new, our words like pneumatic tools or pneumatic power. It means the power of the wind or the power of the air, the power of the spirit. The flesh has no power, but the spirit has power to raise dead people from their sin. Here's what the next verse says in that passage. For all those led by God's spirit will live and they are God's sons. Verse 15 you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, this is important. We do not have, if you're a Christian, your spirit is not a spirit of death. It's not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of adoption. Why is that important? Well, the word adoption in Greek is the word weothesia. It doesn't mean a lot to you and me, but the context will. In Greek, Roman, and Jewish culture, if you were a child and you brought shame or dishonor to your family, your parents could legally divorce you and you could legally not receive any of your inheritance as a son or as a daughter. This was specific to sons because the oldest son or the firstborn son would receive the largest portion of the inheritance. So in all three major historical cultures that the Bible was formed in, Greek, Roman, and Jewish culture, if you brought shame or dishonor to your parents, they could literally, legally divorce you from the family and you received no inheritance. You lost every right to be an heir to the family name. But when you became a Christian, get this, Paul is connecting the concept of adoption, weothesia, to the legal reality that in Roman and Greek and Jewish cultures, if you were a child that was adopted into a family, if you were a child that was not of blood relation to the family, but adopted into a family, it was an irreversible act. You could never be legally divorced from your family. In other words, once you were adopted into any family, you were in that family forever. And your rights of inheritance and your rights as an heir were eternal, irrevocable, and irreversible. And here's what Paul says about being adopted into the family of God. That's the spirit that comes to live in you when you join the family of God. And then finally, the last couple of verses. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him. So we move from slave to son to air. We also move from a place of obligation to a place of opportunity. I'm not just obligated to do the right thing. I have the spirit of adoption living in me 
So every day I get the opportunity to choose to live by that spirit and do the right thing. When you become a Christian, I could explain it this way. The spirit of God empowers you to go from I've got to, to I get to. Okay, I gotta pay taxes. I don't really like it, but I gotta do it. Now that I'm a believer in Christ, I get to be a part of God's family. I get to tithe. I get to study the word. I get to live in community with others. I get to publicly identify myself as a believer through baptism. So we move from I, I got to, to I get to. And so this is how I wanna really challenge you just to kind of take what Romans chapter eight, verses 12 through 17 have taught us. And I wanna ask you, have you received that spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father? Abba, Father is how Jesus appealed to his heavenly father when he prayed, Abba. The ah and the buh sounds. The A and the B phonetically are the first sounds that the lips of a child can make as they develop to be able to speak. It's the most intimate phrase you could use when referring to God. Have you received that spirit? Because if you haven't, if you haven't gone from being a slave to a son or a daughter all the way to an heir, the first thing you need is salvation. You need to be saved from your sin and brought into a family through adoption. And that's an invitation that I wanna give you. I wanna give that invitation to you right now. If you've never really crossed over from being a slave to your sin, you can go from being a slave that's outside the family to being adopted into the family as a son or a daughter. And then you don't just remain as a son or a daughter, you have an inheritance and you are an heir with Christ because you have been adopted into that spiritual family. And I just believe that some of you are ready to do that right now. And if you are ready to be adopted into that family, this is an opportunity for you, not an obligation. It's an opportunity for you to listen to the Holy Spirit and hear what he's saying to you about salvation. So I am so thankful that I get to share this with you. And in a few moments, I'm going to come back and share one more interesting part of the story of adoption that I think you'll find really fascinating and powerful. Any parents want to divorce their kids? <laughs> joke, joke, joke. No, listen, can I tell you some good news? Last hour, when we were preaching this at our 8 o'clock hour, uh, three people said, I want to confess Jesus as Lord, I want to repent of my sin, and I want to begin a relationship with Christ. Is that not powerful? Three people. What's even more powerful is in this call to immediate baptism, we listen to two people go forward and go public with their life in Christ through water baptism. And I just share that with you because to me, it's what Easter is all about. So let me give you the picture again. Come on, two cliffs here, two cliffs here, bridged by the cross. If you decide to stand on this side and you refuse the grace that could be yours in Jesus, just clearly know that you've also resided to have a life where you're first, where your sin is your reality. Come on, put this up there. The separation is real and a death, not just physical but spiritual, is your truth. And the only relationship you can have with God is as judge. But see, God has given us a call. God has given us an invitation. God has given us a responsibility. And it's by faith in faith alone that we trust the finished work of the cross. 
And what our reality is this, come on, it's forgiveness, it's a relationship, it's new life, and it's relationship with God as Savior, not as judge. Now, if you're here on many Sundays, I'm going to usually preach, and and it's going to lead us somewhere to see the gospel in it. And I'm going to get to a point, and I'm going to say, I'm going to invite you now to, to take a step of faith and to make a commitment to follow Jesus and, and really the steps of faith, put them down here at the bottom. We see that there's always, there's always going to be a step for us to take, whether we're a Christian or not. It's a step towards making it and walking with them daily and, and growing in our loyalty towards Christ, or it's living for ourselves. And the longer we live for ourselves, the more hostile we'll get towards God. Some of you might be here today, and for me to say to you boldly, Jesus Christ is the only way. Many of you might push against that and say, I don't agree with that. You might even get angry at that truth. What do you mean he's the only way? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. Or if I would call you today to say, you got to admit to God that you're a sinner. You got to say, I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Even that could push against you where you say, there's no way. I'm not agreeing with that. And you could stand in hostility and anger and frustration and believe that there's multiple ways to God instead of the one way through the cross. But I'm hoping the more that you come, the more that you hear good news. I don't know how many weeks, how many months, how many years it might take, but my prayer is that you would soften, that you would begin to become open to this good news message That's not about religion. That's not about good works. That's not about just living like the world's living. But it's a call. It's an invitation where you might even begin to consider that you too could be loved by Jesus Christ. You see, we're always taking steps. Do you see this? And as I look at this moment of taking a step and finally believing, finally receiving, and accepting Jesus Christ as Lord, come on, that's what we celebrate a lot. And I love this moment because it really does mark something, right? It's this idea of salvation. But can I tell you this? Salvation is great, but walking with Jesus is greater. Can I tell you that? Because here's what I believe. I believe many of you, many at Fredericksburg, you've experienced the salvation, but you're not living abundant life. Why? Because you're not walking daily. You're not surrendering daily. You're not saying, God, what do you have for me to do today? And I'm here to tell you, if you're not walking daily, you're missing fulfillment that could be yours in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to continue to lean in there. That as good as salvation is, come on, a disciple in Christ, you'll awaken to so much more of what Easter could be in you and through you. But see, oftentimes we, we pull back, we shrink back. And, and I think some of us might even rest on the prayer that we prayed, yet we live our daily life as if we're Lord of our life. We say, oh, I'm saved, I'm covered, right? But then we live against God in his word. And we think that that's not going to create hostility and war in our hearts. I'm here to tell you, salvation is great. But walking daily is greater. And so that is my appeal as we continue to do it. Because you know what I, I see and I discover? It's this. It's like kind of what Clayton said here. This, this theme is, is this. That when you and I aren't walking daily, 
God and the church will start to feel like an obligation. Come on, Clayton said, I, I got to, I got to go to church. It's Sunday, right? How do we go from got to to get to? It's, it's taking steps. It's, it's saying yes. It's trusting Jesus and only Jesus to not just save us, but to lead us every single day of our life. So here's the question today. What is your step? What is your step that you need to take today? Come on, whether you call yourself Christian or not, what is your step? And then maybe the question behind that is, is there anything in the way? Are there any obstacles? Are there any barriers in the way that are keeping you from faithfully following Jesus? Because whatever your reason is, it's nothing but an excuse. And when you make excuses, you'll miss the fulfillment that could be yours in Christ. So what is your excuse? Come on, I don't know what's happened against your life. I don't know what's happened to you. You gotta rise up past self-pity too. Maybe that's getting in the way of you feeling sorry for all that you've had to go through. You gotta lay down that excuse today. You gotta lay down that self-pity today. And let's just call it for what it is. You gotta lay down that sin. You can't say he's Lord and choose sinful relationships and choose sinful ways and, and, and to be in conflict with God in his, in his life for you. He wants one seed in your heart. It's Lord, it's Lord, it's Lord. Now Clayton's gonna share a little bit more with us of how personal Romans 8 is to his life. And so let's listen in as he continues to lead us today. Let me read this verse to you again about the reality of God's promise that you can move from being a slave to sin to being a daughter and son in God's family all the way to being an heir with an inheritance that God's promised you. This is the verse from Romans chapter 8. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Isn't it crazy that the Holy Spirit, who is the third member of the Trinity, is associated with or called the spirit of adoption? It is in God's heart to adopt daughters and sons out of slavery into his family. There's a lot of talk right now in America about rescuing people from human trafficking or from the sex trade or the sex slave trade industry. And the reason why we want to rescue people out of that kind of slavery is because we believe in the intrinsic value of human life. How much more does God value us? How much more does God value you as a son or a daughter that he would send his son Jesus to die on the cross to take away your guilt and your sin so that he could adopt you into his family? And that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit calls your heart into that family. And some of you are feeling that right now. Let me tell you why that means something to me. Adoption is really special, especially this passage in Romans 8, because I'm adopted. I've never met my birth parents. I don't know a whole lot about them. I was told by my mom that adopted me that my birth mother was 14 when she got pregnant and 15 when she delivered me. I was also told that my biological grandmother uh, tried to talk my mom into aborting me because they didn't want the embarrassment of having a 14 or a 15 year old daughter that was walking around pregnant so young without a husband. But praise God, my birth mother did the courageous and brave thing. She carried me to term. She gave birth to me, and then she gave me to a family that adopted me and took me into their own home. 
Um, seven years ago, this coming summer, my dad died. Nine years ago, my mom died. When they adopted me into their family, they gave me their last name, they gave me um, a home to live in, they gave me an upbringing, and when they passed away, I received their inheritance. And I'm not just talking about what little bit of money my dad had left in his banking account when he died. No, my inheritance is I learned how to live by watching them live. I learned how to love God by watching them love God. I inherited something from my parents because I was their son. They adopted me in. This year, right now, currently, um, I'm going through a private investigator, Ancestry.com, and some other avenues, and I'm actually trying to find my birth mother to see if she's still alive. I want to know what she looks like. I want to know what my family history is, but more than anything, I want to make sure that I get a chance to tell my birth mother, thank you for giving me birth and giving me life. And if she doesn't know Jesus, I would love the opportunity to lead my birth mother to faith in Christ. That's my adoption story. And right now, you can have your very own adoption story. Right now, you can listen to the Holy Spirit. You can feel him in your heart right now. Many of you sense that you need to join this family. You need to move from being a slave to sin into this family as a daughter and a son who will receive an inheritance, eternal life. And here's how you do it. You just pray and ask God to save you. You say, thank you for the gift of salvation and adoption. What if right now you listen to that spirit in you, the spirit of adoption, inviting you in, and what if you said yes? You can do it right now. And this can be the moment where you are born again and where you start over. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus fully and completely, if for the first time ever in your life, this really makes sense. If you really mean it, you want to have a relationship with God and be adopted into his family. And if you'll just close your eyes with me, everybody right now together. And those of you that want to trust Christ, just pray this prayer in your heart with your eyes closed and your hearts open. Call out to Jesus right now and he'll answer your prayer. Pray this to him right where you sit with your eyes closed and your heart open. Jesus, I know you died for me. And I give my life to you. I receive your invitation. I want to be adopted into your family. I know that you'll never abandon me. You'll never divorce me. You'll never leave me. And I need that kind of love. So I give you control of my life, Jesus. I repent of my sin and I confess you as my savior. Now I belong to you. Now I'm your daughter and son. I'm in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. With your eyes still closed, I'm gonna ask those of you that just prayed this prayer, the one that we just prayed together, if you meant what you said, I'm gonna ask you to do one simple thing right now with your eyes closed and your heart open. If you just prayed to receive Christ and you asked God to adopt you into his family, would you just raise your hand right where you are, right where you sit. I want you to raise your hand straight up above your head right now and just keep it up for a second. That's the thing about being adopted into a family. 
When you're adopted in, you belong and you're not ashamed. So with your eyes closed, just raise your hand if you just gave your life to Christ, you prayed that prayer, and I want you to keep it up for just a moment. This is simply an indication that you know what you just did. Even though you don't fully understand all the benefits of being in the family, you just gave your life to Christ and you've been adopted. And you're indicating and you're identifying with God. I'm in this family. Praise God for your boldness. Praise God for your decision. Now, I want everyone right now uh, to do one thing. You can put your hands down. And I'm gonna invite everyone to open their eyes and look at me. Here's what we're gonna ask you to do. I would ask you, all of you, everybody, uh, uh, just everybody together, go ahead and stand up on your feet because in just a second, uh, Pastor Todd's gonna come. But let me tell you what we're gonna ask you to do. For those of you that just gave your lives to Christ, your very first step as a new believer is to publicly identify as a Christian, as a part of this family, by being baptized. So guess what we've done today? Everybody's on their feet now, so listen. We have provided a way for you to actually be baptized right now. This is for those of you that just gave your lives to Christ and for those of you who have been Christians for maybe weeks, months, or even years. Maybe some of you have been a believer for decades, but you've never followed through with baptism. Baptism is not the thing that saves you. Jesus saves you. Baptism is like wearing a wedding ring. It's a symbol of the fact that you belong in a family, okay? So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. We're all standing up right now. I'm gonna invite those of you that just gave your lives to Jesus to be prepared because Pastor Todd's gonna come and invite you to come and be baptized. And for those of you that have never been baptized, but you're already a Christian, we wanna baptize you today as well. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. I didn't bring any clothes. Well, guess what? We've got shirts and shorts for you. Some of you are thinking, um, I didn't bring a towel. Guess what? We've taken care of that. We've got towels for you. Some of you are thinking, but my family and my friends aren't here. Hey, we will make sure that they get a recording. Just make sure you give your phone to somebody and we'll record it and let them see. Some of you are thinking, oh, I don't need to get baptized today. I'll do it later. You may not ever do it later. Do not procrastinate. Everybody that got baptized in the New Testament after they got saved, got baptized immediately. You can see that story throughout the book of Acts. And then some of you may be thinking, well, there's nobody here to help me. I don't know where to go or what to do. We've taken care of that as well. Pastor Todd's gonna come right now and he's gonna tell you exactly what you can do to follow through with baptism if you just joined the family of God and were adopted in and you prayed that prayer or if you've been a Christian for a long time and this is the first opportunity that you've really felt like, I need to be baptized. We've provided all of that for you. So here comes Pastor Todd and he's gonna tell you exactly what you can do right now to take your next step and follow Christ in baptism. You excited yet? This is one of those moments, right? It's one of those moments. Hey, listen, both campuses, stay with me, stay with me. Come on, listen, listen, listen. God is speaking right now. God is leading right now. And now it's our time to take a step. Praise God for about 10 or 11 people that said, yes, I need to surrender my life in faith in Jesus alone. Today, I give my life to Jesus. That's it. That's what this is all about. And as I said earlier, sometimes we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta lay the excuses down. We gotta lay down the sin. We gotta say, God, you're first, you're Lord. And what he said is so true. For you 11, man, what a day to mark your moment. 
to go get wet today and to celebrate your new life in Christ. But there's a lot of Christians here today and you have never practiced that verse in the Bible. After you were saved, to go public with believer baptism in the water. I'm not talking, did you get sprinkled as an infant? I'm talking, you know, you gave your life to Christ. And after that, you got in the water to say, Jesus Christ is Lord of me. If that is your decision today, don't wait any longer. Don't make an excuse. Come on. We have got t-shirts and shorts. We've got underwear. We've got sports bras. I had a guy last week talk to me, he said, Pastor, it's time for me to get baptized. He goes, but you don't understand. I'm a black man, my legs are ashy. I said, I got lotion today. There's nothing that should keep you and hold you back any longer, except you and your excuse. Are you ready to move? Come on, are you ready to move? Right now in Jesus' name, if this was the first day that you just gave your life to Christ, I ask you right now, to go right through those doors. If you want to have holy courage today and you want somebody to help you, maybe it's a Bible study teacher, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a mom or a dad, and you want them to baptize you, let them go with you, drag them with you. Right now, if you're a Christian and you've never been baptized by believer's baptism, come on, go, right now, go, 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 go. We're gonna sing a song, we're gonna sing a song and after we sing, if it's one person, we'll baptize the one person. But I'm praying it's more than one. And today, there's gonna to be some people that are gonna move from a slave to a son and a daughter and to an heir of Jesus Christ. That's what's ours in Jesus Christ. Come on, let's sing like we believe it today. Let's let the first baptism happen today at Fredericksburg today. Come on, let's sing.